If it's your first time with us, and from what I understand, we had a handful of new people with us. My name is Lee, and I'm one of the assistant pastors here on staff. And it is always an exciting thing to get to, to stand in and, and to fill the pulpit whenever Pastor Tim is gone. And so I'm excited to be here and to share what I believe God has put on my heart. Um, I was actually scheduled to minister last Wednesday, and my wife and I had something come up that was sort of an emergency. And so the day of, I had to call my dad and be like, hey, this is, this is what's going on. And he said, you know what? Go. Be there, do what you have to do. And I'm like, it's Wednesday. I'm like, you going to be ready? And he's like, I got this. <laughs> and so, you know, 30 years of experience and quite an arsenal of messages under his belt. He was ready. And so I was grateful for that. But he didn't let me off the hook. I'm back. And so uh, I'm making good on my part of the bargain. You know, he always tells me to have a, uh, it's always important to have a message crafted. Always have something ready in the event that you're called upon to speak at short notice. So that was cool, you know, just to see him ready to go and, uh, Anyways, I, I'm here, like I said, excited for what God has been doing here at Meadowbrook. Actually, the reason um, that uh, Pastor Tim and Alicia were supposed to be gone last week, and if you were here Sunday, you heard this, she doesn't just have a birthday, okay? She has a, she has a birth week. Sometimes it's even longer. It's, she, she's dubbed it Alicia Fest. And if you're on Twitter, it might even have its own hashtag that is trending. Um, but she really milks it. She gets everything she can out of her birthday. And so I honestly think... Maybe her originally, them leaving last week. I think she planned all this so that she could even extend the fest longer. And so I'd have to cover tonight. So that's where they're at. They're celebrating her birthday. She's 35. And uh, <laughs> no, but uh, God really is doing some exciting things in our midst. If you've been with us at all the past few weeks, we had an amazing uh, celebration, celebrating 24 years of ministry and just God's faithfulness. And then this past week, um, just the, the altar call responses we've seen, um, the, the series that Pastor Tim is in, Brave, I just think, honestly, it's one of his best teachings. Um, just, just the dares that he's been challenging us all with, I think it's, uh, it's been healthy. And we're really seeing fruit because of that. We're seeing growth. We're seeing uh, life change. And it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Well, when you have the opportunity sometimes um, in ministry to speak, uh, it's always a very encouraging thing when you talk to people and, and the feedback is good. <laughs> and, and so, you know, whenever I talk to someone and they say, you know, what you spoke, spoke right to my situation. Or, or they come up in tears and they say, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Yes, it's encouraging, but really it's, it's confirming. It, it's really a perspective shifter and it's a reminder that it's, it's not me. It's not whoever is filling the pulpit, but it's God speaking through us. And, and the Bible refers to that as, um, it talks about the foolishness of preaching. That God, just through a man, and just through mere words, could uh, speak things that penetrate to people's situations in their hearts. And so I'm humbled and grateful to be a part of it. And as, as Pastor Tim says, I'm just the messenger boy. So I, I hope that what God has put on my heart tonight uh, would speak to you wherever you're at. And uh, that we would all be better as we leave here. Now, talking about people... Um, communicating things back whenever you teach. One thing I've heard on a few different occasions, uh, I've had people, and if you agree with this, don't, do not say anything. <laughs> Just kidding. So a couple of people have said, you know what, you, you talk too fast. And I said, I, I thought about it. I said, you know what, I think really you guys just listen too slow. <laughs> I actually told one guy that in the hall a couple weeks ago. We were laughing. Uh, but in all seriousness, part of it is just my style. It's kind of my, my communication, uh, the way I communicate. But also, it's realizing I have a clock back there that's counting down. And I have such a short amount of time to get a bunch of stuff out. And so I'm going to make a conscious effort tonight to slow it down and uh, make this uh, easy for you guys to digest. Uh, but if for some reason, 
uh, you miss something that I say, feel free to come up afterwards and just put me in a headlock and ask me whatever that point was that you missed. Or you could go back and, and download the podcast or, or watch the video service. Either one of those ways will work. So you guys excited to be here tonight? Yes. All right, well, let's get moving. Around here at Meadowbrook, um, our main function, obviously, is our, is our services. You know, Sundays and Wednesdays, we come together and it's cool because corporately we can come together as a body and we can lift up and we, and we can listen up. We can worship and we can get in the word, but that's only two days a week. And, and you know, people want to go deeper. They want to get involved. They want to find out what all the church has to offer. And so we really, it's been a, a discovery process over the last few years, trying to not just be a church that does everything, but does few things well. Like Pastor Haran said, we have ministry for the entire family, but, but we wanted to make sure that those next steps are clear and that people can easily get involved and find out what Meadowbrook's about. And so we've kind of narrowed that down to, to three simple things. And even if you go on our website, there's three icons on there that never change. Number one, growth track. Number two, small groups. And number three, serve. And so number one, growth track. Every week, Pastor Tim stands up here and says, who do we want to go through growth track? And everyone says everyone, yeah. And, and, and we're serious about that because really all it is is it's four classes, one hour piece. They happen on Sundays. They're going on every month. And so basically you can come to church, go get lunch, and then come back. And each class is different. The first one kind of talks about our history and, and who we are as a church and talks about um, how you can become a member. And then there's other classes that talk about our beliefs. There's classes that help you discover your gifts and then how you can um, implement those through volunteering. And then also talking about the importance of community and small groups. And so that's kind of growth, what Growth Track is about. Uh, number two, small groups. Uh, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. And, you know, something cool happens when we're all together in this setting that can't happen in a smaller setting. But the same is also true that when we're in a small group setting, there's things that can happen that don't happen in a big setting. And we believe in small groups and we believe uh, that that is a, a good way to take a large church and make it small, uh, to, to give you opportunities to develop relationships with other people, uh, to have discipleship, accountability, edification, honesty, those things in a small group setting. We believe the fruit is just uh, lasting. And I can speak from experience that I have fruit in my life because of small groups that I've been a part of. And so that's kind of a, a fresh thing. We, um, this year we've seen uh, you know, uh, countless people involved in small groups, and we're actually about to kick off our fall semester. This last Sunday marked the date that you could sign up for a small group. And so we encourage you, go onto our website. We have well over a hundred different groups all over the calendar, all over the map, um, different times uh, to, to, to meet your needs and hopefully that you would find one that you could fit in. So we encourage you to sign up. They're kicking off in a few weeks. Now, my wife and I, we, uh, back in the spring, we led a, a home group for young married couples. And then in the Summer, we took a break because we just had our little baby girl. And so a few weeks back, we were talking, do we want to lead a home group again? Or do we want to each lead our own separate group? And so I knew what I wanted to do. And she was kind of debating. And she said, uh, you know what? I think I want to lead a, a small group for mothers of preschoolers. And I was like, that's, that's cool. And we're, we're driving down the road. And I said, well, what would y'all do? And she paused for a minute. And she said, probably just sit around and cry. <laughs> And if you have a preschooler, you totally can relate. That's totally a side note. But the point is, we have groups uh, of, of all kinds of things. There's discipleship groups. There's Bible study groups. There's common interest groups. There's support groups. Um, there's serving groups, whatever. We, we, we have it on, so we encourage you. So growth track, groups. Last thing, um, serve. That's a big thing. Just because it's number three does not mean it's last on the list. 
but more so, you know, it's, it's, it's the big three. They're all kind of of equal importance, and, and growth track is the gateway to that. So serving here at Meadowbrook is, is kind of a two-part thing. You can serve through our volunteer areas. And, you know, when you look around and you see ministry happening for the entire family, yeah, we have a big staff here at Meadowbrook, but it's impossible for our staff alone to make everything happen. We have so many faithful, dedicated, committed volunteers who make what we do happen. And so we need volunteers. The second aspect of serving is outreach, both locally and globally. And even in uh, uh, September and October and in the months to come, we have some exciting opportunities uh, for, for you to get involved in local outreach that we're looking forward to. So tonight, I kind of want to hang out on the, um, the subject of serving. You hear a lot about growth track, small groups, you've probably been in one, but serving, I really want to talk about that, but not so much even in the context of Meadowbrook, but really serving at large. The fact that Jesus is our example, and he came and he lived a life where he served others. And so as followers of Christ, if we are following him and striving to be like him, then every one of us has a responsibility to serve, to live life serving. Now, when I say the word gratitude, or, or I talk about thanks, usually we all um, think of that in terms of receiving. You know, you're thankful whenever you receive something. Um, you, you're grateful for something when someone has done something for you. And I believe that true thanks doesn't just stop with what we receive, but it comes when we're so grateful for what someone has done for us or, or what God has done in our lives that then we act. True gratitude equals action. And so God's done a lot in each and every one of our lives. He's put people in our paths who have done things for us. And so I believe if you live a life of gratitude, then that translates into action. And you live your life not just about being grateful for all that's been done for you, but then you turn and you give other people reasons to be grateful. And we can do that actively through serving. Um, Acts twenty thirty five, and this will be on the screen, says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we've all probably heard that, but it's the type of thing that you only begin to understand as you do it. You, I mean, you could say it, you can hear it, but as you give, you'll see, wow, this is, this is so much better than receiving. Now, a lot of people have not maybe felt that because society doesn't enforce it. Uh, the, the day and age in which we live, it's not really talked about that giving is, is what it's all about, but it's more so a, a consumerism mindset and it's about what we get. So society doesn't really enforce that concept. Number two, not everyone has um, extra money or extra resources that they can go around just blessing people. But here's the thing. We all have time. We all have talents. We all have love and we can give of our efforts to serve those around us. So don't let society trick you into thinking that uh, giving is not important. And don't let the fact that maybe you don't have a lot materially think that you can't give. You can serve through loving the people around you. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39 says, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have a command to love God with everything that we have. But then right there, right next to it, it says equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think this is really what it means. If we love God, God loves people. And so we need to love his people. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say, love the people who think like you as yourself. 
It doesn't say love those who are perfect or who have it all together or who have the same interests as you. It says love your neighbor. And not just your neighbor that lives in the house next to you, but every one of us, we have circles, okay? You have jobs, you go to school, you, you have a neighborhood, you have people all over that you see all the time. Are we loving those people as ourselves? Are we loving those people as God does and as Jesus would have as, as he walked this earth, going around loving people? We have a responsibility. Really, we have an obligation to do so as followers of Christ. And as Christ followers, we have the greatest example of what it means to be a servant. Jesus really embodied um, servant leadership. And basically that is that you lead those around you by serving them. Serving or leading is not just something where you reign over someone and, and you control what they do. But I believe the most effective and the most um, uh, impacting leaders are those who serve those around them, who humble themselves, who, who do life with the people around them. Servant leadership. Jesus modeled that. He had every reason to, that he could go around and, and have people wait on him and that he could tell people what to do. But no, he loved everyone and, and he did life with them. I graduated from Southeastern University. It's an Assemblies of God University down in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, actually, Pastor Tim did his master's work there. Pastor Tom Fox, uh, our next-gen pastor, graduated from there. Pastor Tim Nelson, Pastor Jordan Vale, Pastor Steve, uh, Amber Nardino that sings up here a lot. We have, we have a lot of staff members who went there. And uh, it's a beautiful, amazing school. They're doing a great work. And at the time I was there, the president was a guy named Dr. Mark Rutland. And uh, some of you may have heard of him. He's since gone on to be uh, the president at Oral Roberts University. <laughs> and Pastor Haran attended Oral Roberts University. Um, but Dr. Rutland, just an amazing leader, but so much of his leadership style and his principles and the organizations he's led is built on the concept of servant leadership. Servant leadership as modeled by Jesus. Now, if you've ever been to the campus at Southeastern, it's unmistakable. Right in the middle of the campus, there's this beautiful fountain um, and this, these, this brick walkway. And in the middle of this fountain, there's a statue. And the statue is, is this image of Jesus washing Peter's feet. And it, it's beautiful. And Dr. Rutland had that put there because servant leadership, that is the picture of servant leadership. And it just meant so much to him and really what that school is built upon. And so one day when I was attending there, um, I show up on campus for classes and it's early in the morning, campus is busy and seem to notice there's bubbles uh, coming up out of the fountain, falling down onto the walkway. And I'm not talking like a few like bubbles, I'm talking like soap <laughs> building up and, and coming out onto the walkway. And uh, contrary to maybe what you're thinking, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't. I may know who the culprit is, but that's under the blood. It's, it's in the past. It's, it's irrelevant now. And uh, so anyways, at, a, at a, an assembly that very day, Dr. Rutland got up, the big dog himself, and he, he, addressed, he addressed that. And you could tell he was not happy by that. And, uh, but, but he let it slide and he said, just, I do not want to see this happen again. Well, it wasn't but a few days later, show up to campus, there's the bubbles. <laughs> bubbling out of the, the Jesus fountain, the, the servant leadership fountain, and we, we've got bubbles pouring over onto the walkway. And so at another uh, assembly or chapel service, he gets up, this time through tears. He, he is speaking to the student body. And it was just amazing to me. Yeah, it was, it was funny, and, and whoever did it, it was not a jab at Jesus. It wasn't a jab at servant leadership. It was just it was a dumb joke. The point is this. Servant leadership meant so much to Dr. Rutland 
that he, he caught up to address the school and he was, he was in, in tears. He was so moved over that, that someone would, would do something so disrespectful to this symbol. And so, the, I mean, that's just a side example. But the point I really was trying to make, Jesus came to serve those around him. He led them by serving. And so we have a responsibility to really understand servant leadership. And so tonight, my, my challenge to you is, is two parts. Yes, to get involved volunteering get involved serving in the church, but really at large, even if you never uh, volunteered in any area here, that you would understand serving as a way of life, serving as Jesus did, and you would realize the importance in your own life. So we're going to get moving. I have, I have four points of, of qualities that I believe make up a, a servant as modeled by Jesus. The first point, if you're taking notes, servants do every task with equal dedication. Servants do every task with equal dedication. Now, all of us, we have things uh, that we love to do, and then we have things that, that we have to do. You know what I mean? The, the things that we, we choose to do and enjoy spending our time doing, and then we have the things that are maybe our obligations. And the things that we love to do, we, we put forth our full effort, we're invested in it, we're excited about it. And then the things that maybe you're obligated to do or that you just have to do, uh, those things sometimes half-hearted effort or, or maybe not your, your full investment. But the cool thing is this. Colossians 3.23 says that servants do everything with all of their heart. And so in the context of uh, church or, or just serving in general, there is no um, big, fun serving. There is no little and significant serving. Serving is serving. And so, so whether it's something that's easy or hard or, or seen or behind the scenes, servants do it with everything that they have. It's equal dedication because they're serving and they're doing it as under, unto God and they're doing it to help others. And I want to let you know tonight that you're not above the menial. None of us are, are exempt from the mundane and it's not our job to determine whether something is too insignificant to step out and and to serve in a, a particular area. Because I believe the menial and the mundane are a vital part of our character development. We're not better than anyone else. Each and every one of us, we're, we're different and, and we're flawed. And, and God's working in each one of us. And if Jesus wasn't above anyone else, he had every right to be. He was. He was perfect. But he didn't view himself as that way. And so if he came and he served everyone, then who are we to think that we're above anyone else? And above serving. Galatians 6.3 says this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. So I, I think that's, that's pretty direct. pretty to the point. We're not better than anyone else, guys. So, you know, it, all of us make choices. We all have different backgrounds, different situations. But none of us are above serving our neighbor. And it's in small services that we really, our character is developed and we grow like Christ. Uh, Jesus actually specialized in the menial, mundane tasks that everyone else uh, tried to avoid or, or kind of snub their noses at. You know, Jesus served the lepers. He, he prepared meals. He, he washed the feet of his disciples. He uh, hung out with children. He did the things that no one else really thought was important. But that's the way that he lived his life. And sometimes in ministry, there's areas of serving that are visible and desirable. And then there's areas that maybe aren't as visible and maybe not as desirable. And so what we're seeking here at Meadowbrook is people who have a heart to serve, who have a heart to serve. And so if you're, if you're a true servant, you do everything with equal dedication. So we're not asking for people to step forward and say, I'll serve, but only if you let me play lead guitar on the main stage. 
You know, because that would be a visible area. That would be a, a desirable, uh, fun area to serve in. But I can honestly say of all the people we have on the platform, I know them personally and I know, I know their hearts. And they are serving. They're using a gift God has given them to serve, to bring glory to him. And in return, it ushers in the presence of God and we're all better for it. So that's an area of serving. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's the playing guitar. That, that's not what I'm getting at. But I'm saying we need people who are willing to serve in all areas. Because there's some areas that aren't as visible. There's some areas that aren't as desirable, but they're just as important because they make ministry happen. All right, let's take, for example, the Parkers. Um, Yes, it's visible. Every one of us see them as we come in. Is it desirable? I'll I'll be honest. I've never parked, but I hear the stories, and those guys put up with a lot. And and they, they sit out there in the heat, and then they work long and hard to make sure that we can get our parking lot filled up orderly and uh, emptied quickly so that on a Sunday morning, we're able to turn around for all three services. They got to keep that efficient. And so is it desirable? Maybe not. But I know every one of those guys are serving with equal dedication. They're not doing it uh, to be seen or to be praised, but they're serving because it helps ministry to happen. And that, that's what we need. Let's take um, uh, the nursery. Okay, we have parents in here who probably have babies in the nursery. And my wife ducked out a few minutes ago, so I either... I hope she was going to the nursery, because if not, I probably offended her with something I said. <laughs> Maybe she didn't want me talking about her small group. Uh, but while, while we're in here enjoying service, there's people back there with, with the babies. And so, yeah, it's, it's not visible. Not everyone sees that area. Uh, is it desirable? Yeah, I mean, everyone loves, you know, rocking a peaceful baby. Well, well what about when that baby has a blowout? What about when there's a, a diaper? We, you know, we can't just have people back there who say, I'll hold the babies. But as soon as they go to the bathroom, no, I'm done. No. And, and that, that may not be the most desirable part of the job, but what they do helps ministry to happen. They're serving. How about uh, the screens? Okay, we have this projecting up here. Guess what? That's not a magic trick. There's people operating different things. We have a, a website and a podcast and mobile apps and a, a study guide blog and, and video archives and a live stream and all these things that are cool digital resources, but they don't just happen. We have people behind the scenes sliding levers, pushing buttons, running cameras, doing stuff to make that happen. What is the point that I'm getting at? We need every one of these areas, whether visible or not, desirable or not. We need people who can serve and do it with equal dedication because it makes this whole big preaching machine happen. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read verses 14 through 19. It says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many different parts, and God has put each of us just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. And so this really just enforces what I'm talking about. There's a lot of different parts that make up this body. Not everyone can be an ear. Not everyone can be a, a, a mouth or a foot. Or we, we, need, we need it all so that the body can work together. And so uh, we need people committed to serve with equal dedication in whatever area that that would be. Amen. Now, there will always be more people who are willing to do great things for God than there are people who are willing to uh, serve in the trenches, if you will. 
There, there's plenty of people who get in line and say, yeah, I'm going to do big things for God. I'm going to be a world changer. I'm going to impact this world. But I think our motives and our heart are really tested by the people who are willing to um, pay their dues, serve in the trenches, be committed, maybe in an area that's uh, not as fun, but they're doing it for the right reason. And those are the people that God will use greatly. Those are the people. There's not some line of people who just get to bypass those other things and and get to do great things for God. I believe God uses mightily the people who serve in the small, maybe insignificant areas. And so I just want that to encourage you tonight. We need to be willing to do it all. Whatever it would be, however we could serve those around us or serve the local church, we all need to check ourselves, check our motives, check our heart, and honestly get to a point, are we willing to do whatever it would take? Luke 16, 10 says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. The master said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping to the next reference. Matthew 25, 23. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. So let's be faithful in all things, the little and the big. Let's do everything with equal dedication. Number two, servants maintain a low profile. Servants maintain a low profile. Servants don't call attention to themselves. They don't serve uh, to be seen, but they serve for for a greater purpose. Uh, D.L. Moody, he was an amazing evangelist, pastor, leader. Uh, His ministry left a huge mark on this earth. And uh, I came across a story about him. And this really goes back to what I was talking about with servant leadership. Um, And I wanted to share this with you. It says, A large group of European pastors came to one of D.L. Moody's Northfield Bible Conferences in Massachusetts in the late 1800s. Following the European custom of the time, each guest put his shoes outside of his room to be cleaned by the hall servants overnight. But of course, this was America, and there were no hall servants. Walking the dormitory halls that night, Moody saw the shoes and determined not to embarrass his foreign brothers. He mentioned the need to some ministerial students who were there, but he was met only with silence or excuses. Moody returned to the dorm, gathered up the shoes by himself, and alone in his room, the world's only famous evangelist began to clean and polish the shoes. Only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the midst of his work revealed the secret. When the foreign visitors awoke the next morning and opened their doors, their shoes had been shined. They never knew by whom. Moody told no one, but his friend told a few people, and during the rest of the conference, different men volunteered to shine the shoes in secret. Perhaps this episode is a vital insight into why God used D.L. Moody as he did. He was a man with a servant's heart, and that was the basis of his true greatness. And so you look at him, and here's this conference, and he's this famous evangelist. And I'm sure he probably had other things he could have been doing. I'm sure he was pretty busy. There's a demand on him. But he sees this, and rather than uh, correct these guys, rather than embarrass them, he acts out servant leadership. He, he humbles himself and maybe inconveniences himself, but he took those shoes and he shined them. And then his example, then people followed in that example. And I think, as the story says, this is just an episode of why God used him so greatly. This, it's not like God gave him this huge um, impacting ministry and then he passed this little servant test. But he passed serving test after test after test. This was a way of life and God moved mightily through that. He wasn't calling attention to himself. He wasn't maintaining a high profile. He was serving to serve. 
Um, I've, I've grown up in the church, and uh, from an early age, my, my parents really have always instilled in me and my siblings the importance of serving, the importance of volunteering, the importance of living generously. And uh, probably from the age 10, I would say, I've, I've served in some area of the church. And from, from that age, I, okay, so I would, dad, he'll, he'll come for service and, and leading up to service, he'll be in his office praying, looking over his notes. And uh, I would usually sit there with him as a little boy. And then when it came time for me to report to whatever area I was serving in, I'd get up, I'd say bye to him, and I'd get ready to leave his office. And before I'd even get to the door, he would say, Lebo. By the way, Lebo is my nickname. <laughs> Only call me that if you know me for more than 20 years. <laughs> he would say, Lebo, do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. Now, growing up, that's one of those things that I'm not, I'm not joking with you. Every time I left his office or wherever we're at, if I was leaving to go serve or I was leaving to go do something ministry related or to go and help someone, whatever it was, do it for Jesus. Heard it over and over again. And it became one of those things that I, it just rolled off me. Um, it, it almost became a cliche. It's something you hear because you hear it so much. But I can look back, you know, as an almost 28-year-old and realize for 18 years of my life, even longer, he's been not just instilling that in me and my siblings, but living it out. And the fact that we, we're not to do anything that we do to bring glory to ourselves. We're not to do it to be seen or to be heard, but to do it for Jesus. Because he did it. And as we do it, we help set the stage for life-changing ministry to happen through those actions. So I tell you tonight, whatever area you're serving in, whatever area you hope to serve in, do it for Jesus. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, In all of you, serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. God opposes the proud. Elsewhere in scripture, it says that pride comes before a fall. Um, Paul talks in Ephesians 6 about eye service and how certain people do maybe spiritual things um, so other people can observe how spiritual they are. But we're not, we're not called to be people pleasers. We're not called to a life of eye service, but we're called uh, to serve. And that, that was really a sin of the Pharisees. The Pharisees took things that were pure and right, but they turned them into performance. They took things that was, maybe it was serving someone or, or praying with someone, ministry. They took those things and perverted them by turning it into performance and making it about them. And so I never want that to be said of us, that, that we would do something simply for eye service. Now, I believe, honestly, I think I could say um, we're, through the Pharisees' ministry, were, were people impacted or, or touched? Yeah, probably. Because I don't think God is going to jip a person who's being served because the person who did it was doing it with the wrong heart. See what I'm saying? But Matthew 6, 1 says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And so I don't want any of my serving or, or anything that I do to be in vain or to be with the wrong motive and to realize that there's no reward for that. I believe God can work through it. He can still bless people around you. But don't you want reward? Don't you want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? And to, and to realize that this, every one of us, I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you don't work for a church. We are all, as followers of Christ, we're in ministry. Amen. We, we can set an example. And we may be the only Jesus that some people ever see. So don't look down on where you're at. 
Oh, or maybe it, you, you love where you're at, but it's just to you, it's not ministry. Well, it is ministry. We, we all um, can be involved in ministry. So make sure that our heart's in the right place. And I, and I feel maybe uh, prompted, there, there may be some of you who right now you're serving in obscurity. You may be um, serving in a, in a place where you feel unappreciated. Or, or maybe it's, it's someone that you're helping repeatedly, a family member, I don't know. And you feel that you're doing these things. But it's not seen, it's not appreciated, and you're kind of coming down on yourself. I want to let you know that God sees it, and God put you where you're at. And, and, and it's not about who else sees it, because God is going to reward you for your faithfulness, for your diligence, for your heart. And I believe he's going to bless you greatly, as he blessed D.O. Moody greatly uh, for, for living a lifestyle of serving. I believe keep serving where you're at. Obscurity, what, whatever it is. Don't come down on yourself. God sees it. God appreciates it. And he's uh, where your help comes from. And he will the one, is the one who will reward you. So I hope that was for someone tonight. Let's go to number three. Servants discover their gifts by serving. Servants discover their gifts by serving. I think a lot of people, and, and I've been guilty of this, um, can be like, okay, if there's not a lot of opportunities to serve presented, um, then maybe you sit around. And when those opportunities arise, you say, okay, uh, th- th- you, know, you know what I mean? You're quick to do it once there's opportunity, but you don't really do anything when there's not. We, we've got to be proactive and we've got to uh, step up and make opportunities happen. And, and a lot of times I think people um, abstain from serving because they say, well, I don't know what I'm good at or I don't know what I do that could actually benefit someone or, or, or impact them because I don't really know what I'm good at. Well, around here we have... Uh, Part of Growth Track is Discovery 301, and that, that class specifically will help you uh, find your spiritual gifts and then hopefully place you in areas that will help you be uh, a, a fit to volunteer and really be serving in your gift. Now, I'm not going to say it's, it's 100%. We're, we're going to help you, but really what you've got to realize is you never know for sure till you actually start serving, and, and you feel God working through you. And so start serving. Discover your gifts. And then as you get involved doing so, then you're going to find what you're good at. And so say, say you take Discovery 301 and you say, okay, these are my spiritual gifts. I think I'll serve in this area. And then it's not really working out. Well, don't call it a failure. Uh, call it an experiment. Because ultimately, I think you're further getting closer to where God has you. But just remember, whatever you're serving in, going back, um, it may not be your sweet spot. But still, do it with equal dedication. And ultimately, I believe God will help you find your, your, your ultimate fit. Now, I think Satan, a lot of times, will try and steal our joy in serving um, through different types of temptations. One of which, I believe, he'll, he'll try to get us to compare our serving with others. Maybe you, you look and you say, well, they're serving more than me, or, or they're serving less than me, or, or I wish I was serving in that area. Whatever it would be, don't compare, okay? We, we don't need to c- compare, in, in, especially when it comes to serving. And I think if the devil can get us to do so, we start to get discontent. Uh, Pastor Tim has taught us discontent comes by comparison. So you're better off just not to compare because I believe Satan's trying to get you off track from serving. Secondly, I think he sometimes will try to get you to feel like you have to conform to the expectations of others. Well, I want to serve in this area, but I don't know if, if you know, so-and-so would, how they would view that. It doesn't matter. Search your heart. If your motives are right, if you've sought God, really the only expectation we're living up to is his. And he just calls us to a life of serving. So if you're on the verge of burnout, if you feel you're, you're maybe losing your joy, um, consider if any of these temptations might be what is, is holding you back and, and recheck yourself and, and re-up, recommit.
where you're serving at. So, let's move on. That was number three. Servants discover their gifts by serving. And number four, servants look for opportunities to serve. I kind of hit on this just a minute ago and the fact that uh, don't just wait around for opportunities, but be proactive. Make opportunities. There's, There's places all over that you can serve. I think a lot of people... Uh, look to the local church, not just Meadowbrook, but just churches in general. People sit around on their hands waiting for the church to fill their their personal agenda of where they should be serving. And yes, we have ways for you to partner with us and do outreach and to volunteer and to serve. And you can get involved in that. But it's not the church's responsibility for uh, to come up with all the areas you're supposed to serve in. Because you're here a couple hours a week. But you, you live a whole life out of here in your job, in your work, at your house, and you can serve in a lot of places. So be proactive. Um, look for the opportunities to serve. I came across this, and I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. It's a classified ad for the job of a servant. And this is what it says. It says, needed. Someone, who is, someone to do the often undesirable work for the sake of others. Candidate needs strong sense of worth in God's eyes and true compassion for others. They must be personally acquainted with the greatest servant of all in order to continue his training. Work requires being on call 24 hours a day to meet the needs of family, friends, and strangers. Ideal candidate must be willing to give up his rights. No experience is necessary. Job begins today right where you are. And yeah, it may be a cheesy thing I just found on the internet, but that really boils down. That's really what, what serving is about. It's not about us or our agenda. It's not about experience. Just start serving. Just be proactive. Serving starts now. Serving starts in the day-to-day encounters. Serving is not just something you do. It's not an event. It's not an action. But it's a way you live your life. Don't just reduce it to something where you show up, you serve for a few hours, and you leave. But make it a lifestyle. Serving is a way of life. Pastor Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life, he says, What matters most is not the donation of your life. I'm sorry. is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. What matters most is not the, the duration, the length, but the donation. What did you do? While you were here. And I really believe servants is the pathway to significance. You know, life is fleeting. Life is a vapor. But what did you do while you were here? Did you serve? Did you live your life as Jesus did? He only walked this earth some 30-something years. But yet he served those around him. He impacted this world in a way that uh, we could never even begin to imagine. But we can follow in his example and, and serve those around us. Mark ten forty five. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I said it earlier, he had every reason to expect people to serve him, to expect people to go out of their way and do things for him, but he didn't. He walked into situations and he loved people. He lowered himself. He served them. He is our example. Nothing was beneath him. It wasn't in spite of his greatness that he served but it was because of his greatness that he served. Let, it, let us live a life that seeks to serve. I want to leave you with this last scripture. John 13, verse 15 says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. We have the greatest example of a servant. Greatest servant to ever walk the earth. 
And I pray that we would live our life striving to follow in that example, that we would do every task with equal dedication, that we would maintain a low profile, that we would discover our gifts by serving, and that we would look for the opportunities to serve.